This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hello and welcome to The Villain Was Right, the podcast where we look at movies and TV from the villain's perspective and dare to ask, were they really all that bad? I'm your host, Rebecca Reeds. And I'm your host, Craig Fay. Welcome to our very special quarantine edition. (laughs) Yeah, probably have a few of these. So, uh, yeah, I probably noticed maybe a couple things already are uh, uh, a little different. We're going to try and keep things as normal as we possibly can for you guys. Uh, But we're figuring out kind of how to do this um, remotely. So normally, uh, Rebecca and I are kind of in the same room and we feed off each other for better or for worse. And uh, yeah, so we're just, uh, we figured out how to do it remotely. So we're going to keep having some uh, episodes and stuff uh coming out regularly um and yeah we'll we'll uh we'll figure this out but boy things changed since last week (laughs) (laughs) holy shit yeah uh it's all right everyone yeah (laughs) do we need to hold hands are we doing okay (laughs) i think we're doing all right uh some of us are some of us are yeah um yeah but i guess i mean anything you want else you wanted to say off the top rebecca i don't know it's a it's a weird time. I hope everybody's doing well. Uh, Greg and I kind of discussed before we went into this. We wanted to talk about it a little bit, but then we just want to dive in and just uh, focus on this movie this week. You know what I mean? Just have an hour of fun and not <laughs> and not having to think about it because it's on the radio, it's on the news, it's on everything. Let's all take a break. Yeah, exactly. And talk about rats in Paris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. This week we're doing Ratatouille. Ratatouille, which was actually like a real treat to rewatch. I hadn't, I don't think I'd seen that since it had come out. It's a great film. Yeah, it's a great film. It's uh, it's it's what it is. What I love about it is it's good for all ages. It's one of these movies that you can be an adult, you can be a child, you can be any age and still appreciate. The quality of it and the storyline and it's it's just a great it's a super cute movie yeah i think pixar i mean pixar is always a pretty safe bet right like even maybe the good dinosaur is one exception uh, to yeah. that but like, yeah tried to watch the first 10 minutes of that couldn't couldn't do it a bit all over the place <laughs> bit all over the place but yeah so ratatouille so uh for people who have not seen the movie uh basically the premise is um remy the rat uh uh voiced by pat oswald um is a rat with a great sense of uh, uh, smell and taste. Uh, so he's employed by his colony as a poison checker. Uh, but what he really wants to do is he really wants to become a chef. Um, so uh, they get chased off the farm that they live in. And he finds himself at Gusto's restaurant. And Gusto. Runs, Gusto. And he <laughs> runs into uh, Linguini, who's kind of this like awkward, can do no right kind of kid. Um, and they team up. He... Remy kind of controls him puppet-wise to start mm. cooking. And, uh, and and then they run a restaurant into the ground. Yes. <laughs> then they lose Ultimate. everyone's employment. 
They run it through with rats, get it shut down. Yeah, these are the heroes of this this story, story, everyone. And I guess the villain in this, uh, who would you say the villain is? Oh, the villain is obviously Skinner. Yeah, who's the head chef before um, Linguini shows up. Yes, exactly. He was uh, the sous chef of Gusto. Right. Okay. So second in charge. Second in charge, running this restaurant. It's not perfect, but people are still in the building. Yeah. Okay, people are spending money. <laughs> We've got employment here. People are eating. Things are not great, but they are fine. Okay, they, let's say that. Yeah. Okay, so here's my thing watching this movie. is like there's most of the movie is about the rat, <laughs> right? Absolutely. Yeah. He's our it, main character. Yeah, as it should be. And... It kind of shows all these, uh, the rats kind of having this like internal life and like being very complicated and having like emotions and things like that. Um, But what you need to realize is none of the other characters realize this. Maybe Linguini to a certain extent, right? But Skinner definitely does not realize that these rats have thoughts or feelings or, you know, family connections or anything like that. They're just rats. Yes. You know, yep, they're rats and they're in a place where they shouldn't be. Yeah. Uh, I know we went up against murder last time. Ah. <laughs> On last week's episodes, we took a really strong stance against murder. Yeah. And I think this this week, I think we're going to take a strong stance against rats preparing meals for you. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not yeah. saying rats should die. I'm just saying I don't want them preparing my food. And I think that's a pretty valid argument. Yeah, I think so, too. I think that's fair. Uh, Yeah, and I think if you look at the movie from Skinner's perspective, right, Mm -hmm. he's a guy who uh, is, as you said, he's running a restaurant. There's there's people there. They're in the door. He's employing an entire kitchen of people. Employing some people that probably wouldn't be employed elsewhere. Yeah. It's really been displayed that this is a kitchen of misfits. I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah. Very important to note that this is like he's given employment to people that maybe wouldn't get employment elsewhere. Okay. So helping the community. Okay. Um, Also, he's written into the will. Yeah. Which I think is very important to note. Because he's the only person that wouldn't be blood-related to get this, to get the restaurant. And it means that he was responsible enough. He was, um, he was loved. He, he had respected. a lot of quality. He was respected. Gusto must have known that he wouldn't run it into the ground. Yeah. Yeah, because that's, that's the thing that really got me, I think, and I think Skinner got done dirty by this. Done dirty? Done dirty, which is, uh, he's been running, I, did they say it's two years since Gusteau died? Uh, like yeah, it's almost two years. It's almost like, two years. Yeah, they have like a month out. And after two years, if no blood relative takes it over, it reverts to Skinner. Yes. So he's been running this restaurant successfully for mm. two years. And then Linguini shows up, doesn't even realize he's Gusto's son. Yes. Uh, and then it initially is hired as a garbage boy, as like a sympathy hire. But mm. then Linguini takes over the restaurant, gets everyone fired, and runs it into the ground. 
Like, yes, o- almost immediately. It's so fast. It's so okay, fast. Okay, this is all done within the month. Okay? <laughs> this guy tanks an entire business in less than one month. Yeah. And he is the hero of the story. And and they paint Skinner as kind of this, like, betraying Gusteau's mm. um, legacy or whatever because he's making frozen dinners with his name on it or whatever, yeah. right? Like, kind of Chef Boyardine Gusteau. Uh, but like what, what they don't show is the countless hours that, mm. uh, he has sat in his office, uh, making up shift schedules or ordering mm-hmm. things or paying suppliers or, you know what I mean? Like all that kind of administrative sure. headache thing of trying to run a restaurant. And you mentioned something there that I actually really wanted to touch on that, uh, you said Chef Boyardee. And this is yeah. something that's brought up from, uh, we can talk about uh, Ego for a second. Yeah, he's the other guy I would have put up as a villain, but he doesn't he's show a, up right to the end. So. Yeah, well, he's like right at the beginning and right at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's kind of the the circular wrapping uh, to this movie. They sort of blame him for Gusteau's death, which I think oh. is somewhat unfair. <laughs> 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 oh, I, I yeah, we're going to talk about that in a second for sure. But what I would like to mention is you said Chef Boyer RD, which is something that he called Gusto and wrote in a review before Gusto even died. So who's to say they weren't already on this frozen food train? Okay, who's to say yeah. that we weren't already going there? Because they really painted like it, it was all um, it was all Skinner, but. There are some heavy implications that this wasn't necessarily his idea to start with. Yeah, and I feel like uh, Gusto, like his whole character, his whole thing is anybody can cook, right? Like that's yeah. kind of the theme that goes through it. So, like, of course, he'd wa- probably want to uh, bring his, you know, uh, vision, if you will, to mm. more people or be, you know. Be like, look, you can have good prepared food or something like that. Like for all, Rebecca, for all we know, those frozen dinners are the tits. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is really, there is some um, elitist ideas in this movie of like, French cooking, uh, it, it, it isn't as it isn't at the same time because it's like uh, you have the dish, the ratatouille, right? Yeah. Which is a humble peasant dish. It's something that's made with uh, inexpensive ingredients. Yeah. Um, which is good. And I do like that message of the movie. But then there's also this idea that, like, if something, if you're eating something frozen, then you're not eating good food. And, like, mass producing food is innately evil when it's not necessarily. Okay, I'm not saying all these companies that are making frozen foods are good companies, okay? <laughs> that can be proven time and time again. But when you look at things like um, like mass-produced bread, right? Yeah, yeah, Mass-produced yeah. bread is not necessarily tasty, okay? And you can poo-poo it all you want, but it's helping people not starve. So, you know what I mean? Like, where's right. the line? Well, yeah, and if you, if yeah, and, and to sort of take that logic a little bit further, you go, you know what? There's certain groups uh, and, and certain segments of society that are probably relying on, uh, you know, frozen dinners and eating things from cans and things like that uh, because they, they can't afford to go to a five-star restaurant in Paris, France, right? Mm. But Gusto's whole uh, mantra and whole belief is like those people deserve to eat well, too. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, okay, am I am I gonna make it ch- cheap, good, accessible food for everybody? He's uh, he's a saint. He's a yeah. saint. <laughs> and, I, I don't know if I go that far. <laughs> and but, Skinner uh, is just uh, <laughs> Skinner is just following in his footsteps. And and uh, proof of that that Skinner really does truly believe in Gusto's mission mm. is when Linguini shows up at that restaurant. Uh, he's just like, I don't really, I really don't have time to do this. And they go, but come on, Gusto would have hired him because he, Gusto would give anybody a chance. And Linguini goes, yeah, you're right. Actually, you can be our garbage boy. Like yeah. it, it, it's not even a big thing, right? Like he's just like, fine, you're hired as a garbage boy. I'll give you a job. Fine. Absolutely. I would say the only thing that I do fundamentally disagree with <laughs> that yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that he does is he slaps a, a dead man's image over all of his stuff, which I get is like branding, but I don't yeah. think you should be able to change up that person's like attire or physical look or those sorts of things. I hate that. It freaks me out. Except, except we don't know that that, as you said, that may have already been in the works, right? That is true because every, uh, every time that, uh, Gusto talks, it is Remy's thoughts. Yes. It's not actually Gusto. It's just like what Remy thinks. Yeah, and they they mention on multiple occasions that the Gusto that we hear talking is just a figment of Remy's imagination and can't in an idealized any... figment. Yeah, right? yeah, because clearly Gusto was getting around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Gusto's going to pound town. Yeah, he was like, they're like, oh, it was. Uh, Linguini's mother was a friend of Gusto. They were very close. And they're like, yeah, I guess. You know, like no one even <laughs> blinks an eye. They're like, Gusto got around. Gusto, Gusto oh, yeah. probably has a lot of illegitimate heirs out there. Yeah. So here, okay. So Linguini's supposed to be the heir of this restaurant because, uh, because he is Gusto's son, right? Right. DNA so, test proves it. The t- DNA test proves that this man has never been in his life, never seen him, never talked to him. This kid has no passion for cooking. Hasn't um, even been in a kitchen he has, before. He's never been in a kitchen. He has no business experience. He is a walking, talking tornado of a human being. Yeah. Um, and this is why I think the restaurant should have went to Skinner. <laughs> like, just straight up. I'm sorry. This guy lost, like... Like ten people's jobs, they yeah. all walked out, <laughs> and rightfully so. Yeah, right. Like again, if you take the perspective of anybody else in this movie who has not seen these rats, like if you if mm-hmm. you if you cut the rat parts out of this movie, first of all, it's going to be about ten minutes long. So, <laughs> <laughs> but second of all, what you have is you have a guy who has never been in a kitchen, shows up, takes over the place. And then is like, by the way, everybody, uh, you know who makes me cook like magic? Uh, this little rat that I keep under my head. You, would, it, Rebecca, if you worked at that restaurant, would oh, you not walk out. out of that? I'm bouncing I'm, out. You'd be like, this is doomed from the beginning. Absolutely, dude. Here's oh, here's another thing. Okay, 
poor Skinner is getting gaslit this whole yeah. freaking movie. He keeps saying, there's a rat. There's a rat. I see a rat. And like, Linguini's like, no, what are you talking about? I'm picking up my keys. I'm just getting to know the fruits and vegetables in the fridge. Okay. This guy can't even come up with good fucking excuses. You know what I mean? It's insane how yeah. much they gaslight. Linguini just like gaslights this this guy. Yeah, and is it uh, is it paranoid to? Well, he is slightly paranoid about it, but is it wrong to be concerned about rats being in your restaurant? No, because he knows if w- they see one rat there, the business is doomed. Yeah, and it's also not paranoia if it's real. Yeah, right? You know what I mean? If somebody's like, somebody's chasing me down the street, okay? It's paranoia if no one's chasing you down the street. If somebody's chasing you down the motherfucking street, that's not paranoid. Right, because yeah, that rat steals the uh, the uh, the will. Yes. Remy steals the will and oh, runs away. Remy fucks some shit up. For the, the, Remy really fucks this guy's life up. And to talk about Remy, because he is... I love the character. I love this whole movie. But if you yeah. start breaking it down, you're like, there's a lot of... There's, there's some moral issues here. <laughs> because this guy flip-flops so many times on what is stealing and what is not stealing. Okay? Which, for a rat, is insane. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Because it, I, th- I believe it's his dad makes the point at, at one point in the movie about how it's not stealing if nobody wants it. Like, if it's thrown away, yeah. it is not stealing. Absolutely. And honestly, I 100% agree with that. Sure. If it's in the garbage, I think you should absolutely be able to take it. Tiger King or not, take it. <laughs> Get, Get that real meat, baby. There. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god, dude! I can't. Yeah, we all. <laughs> we we gotta stay on this call afterwards to talk about that. Because <laughs> holy fuck, <laughs> Jesus Christ! I love how that was. Like, yeah, I love how in the last week that's just become the collective uh, the obsession. You know what I mean? Like, we're just like, well, we're all just. How could it not be that? though? It's the most insane. It's the most insane thing I've ever watched in my entire life. It's pretty insane. Uh, yeah, if you if you guys haven't checked it out on Netflix, uh, check out Tiger King. Absolutely, it'll change nice. your life, dude. Honestly, okay. Just as a side note, I know yeah, this. Yeah, I don't think we need to be worried about side notes. <laughs> but <laughs> honestly, dude, every time, like, I go through these really long periods of time where I really believe I'm like Canadians and Americans are the same types of people. I was yeah. like, we're the same. We're very similar. Everything's the same. And then I watch that and I go, you know what? I'm wrong. I'm so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> There's some shit happening that would never. But we don't have those people. Ah. Uh, we've we've got okay, I'm not saying I'm not saying. Cats. Yeah. I'm not saying we don't have maybe similar types, okay? Or people that are close to. But that combination of events, I do not believe would ever happen here. <laughs> I, the combination. I don't, that, I don't think that combination of events could ever happen anywhere ever again. I think that's, that's like true. a one. Like, it, oh my god! I looked at my partner halfway through, and I was like, "You could give me a thousand lifetimes, and I would never write this story." Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> one of those things that's so ridiculous that, oh like, god. if you pitched it, people would be like, "This is unbelievable." Yes. I mean, no, that's, the ta- that's the times that real. we're living in. Unfortunately, it's just when, like, <laughs> if you pitch anything that's happening. <laughs> As a movie, people be like, that's unrealistic. Don't do yeah. that. You know? Oh, God. Uh, but a rat becoming a chef. Yeah, a rat becoming a chef is somehow 
more believable than oh one thousand percent one thousand percent if you had showed me this as a documentary i'd be like true <laughs> i'd be like yeah okay i'll believe this is anything a whimsical now. tale i'll believe anything now uh <laughs> yeah oh my god uh, yeah. anyway sorry back to the thing we were actually talking about <laughs> ratatouille which by the ratatouille. way is another thing where i'm like god damn it i hate that i have to spell this on everything <laughs> Oh, dude, I yes. can't spell this word for the life of me. No, it. I forced myself to write it down a few times properly on paper. I've been trying to do that. Now that like everybody has so much time now, anytime I spell something out and it's incorrect, I won't look at the autocorrect version. I'll just keep trying to spell it until I get it right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that's the direction you're taking because I'm definitely going the opposite way. Or oh. I like, I had to write down the word uh, in one of my notes here for this, like sympathize. And I wrote down, I was like, that ain't right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what letters I'm missing or what extra ones I put in there. Like, and I legitimately have no clue. Uh, I'm just like, I'll know that means sympathize. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I'm, I'm declining in mental state, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, aren't we all? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you're absolutely right though. They are gaslighting Skinner. Yeah, like he literally, okay, he sees him in the hat, he sees him in the alleyway, he sees him in the uh, refrigerator. Like, literally, there, he has a bunch of tiny little moments where he's telling Linguini, like, I think you're sneaky, and, like, I think you're hiding something. Yeah. And I think those moments are supposed to meant to be like, oh, look at this guy, like, he won't let up. And it's like, no, but he's right, he is being sneaky. He is being <laughs> sneaky and underhanded, and... He fucked up a soup at the beginning and tried to cover it up. Dude, two minutes into work. Two. Two. Two minutes into work. Okay, this guy fucks up a soup, okay? Which, him fucking up a soup is just pouring, like, he, he just, like, he, he just, what, what am I, like? he just Kevined it. You know what I mean? He spilled <laughs> half of it out on the floor. We get it, okay? Yeah, it's the, fine. The, the good thing to do there is not trying to cover up, be like, God, I screwed up so badly. Yes, and we half now have the half, the, half the soup, so some people aren't getting soup tonight. Yeah, my instinct wouldn't be let's just throw a bunch of shit in here. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Uh, there's you don't a way to do you, that. There's a way that you solve that problem. Yes. Without. It, yeah. This is not the way a cook operates. Okay. You know who would never do that? A chef. You know who would never do that? A proper cook. Okay. This man should not be in a kitchen. Fucking point. No, one hundred percent. He says like it's the fifth time that he's cooked anything. Yes, this is my fifth time in the kitchen, and it's just like, yeah, I don't think Skinner's wrong after listening to all he's listened to to think. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to try and keep this restaurant for myself. Yeah, I know how to run it. Or I'm I know not how saying to... all of his intentions are pure. I'm just saying it is very much the lesser of two evils. <laughs> yes, 100%. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's not even a, I mean, the work that that guy has put in to maintain that restaurant, I keep coming back to that point, just to get upended by a guy who has no experience whatsoever just because uh, his dad uh, fucks some lady, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, this guy clearly has zero. I, okay, if the movie was different, like if we were 
Because uh, one point that I do agree with is that this guy's like, okay, all the recipes have to be the same all the time. Okay. okay. And that's not really being a chef, okay? Because being a chef, you're supposed it's it's very much like art, okay? It's a, yeah. you're supposed to be an artist. You're supposed to be creating. You're supposed to be innovating. Okay, like a true chef should feel really passionately about um pushing the envelope, bringing things forward. I don't know if you can tell I watch a lot of cooking shows. Yes. <laughs> you need to elevate. <laughs> How are you going to elevate this dish? Everything needs to be fucking elevated on these shows apparently. <laughs> anyway, uh, point being is that if this movie was this guy being completely dispassionate and then you had this linguine guy that didn't know how to cook but was really passionate about food, then I could maybe get on board with it. You know what I mean? Like if you had him maybe tasting a little more and going, oh my God, I can't believe like the structure. You know what I mean? Just a little, if if he showed any passion at all towards food, I could absolutely be on board for this. But this guy literally is just like, I'm so unemployable. I just need a job. And if I have to run a business into the ground to do it, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, well, and I, I do feel like you get that with, Remy. So like Re- like Lu- Linguini's not supposed to have any talent that all all the talent comes from Remy. And I, mm-hmm. I I will say I do love Pixar for this in that their ability to show like this is a movie about cooking mm-hmm. and like they are able to boil down such a complex um and in this medium intangible uh experience and relay it in a beautiful and simplistic way that even children can get. You know what I mean? Where like, there's that scene where Remy's talking to his brother and he's like, look, so like, see how there's like the nuttiness here. And then like, you see the squirrels of color Mm -hmm. in the pattern. And he's like, and then if you combine it, it becomes something else. And like, it's in that moment, you're like, oh, I understand exactly why you have a taste for this and why you're talented at this and Mm -hmm. what that means to be a chef. Cause like, we can't sit there and eat the two different things, but Pixar is somehow able to be like, this is what cooking's all about. In about it is two done seconds. really well. Yeah. yeah. I would agree yeah. with that. It makes, oh my God, how hungry. I get so hungry watching this movie though. Really? Oh my God. Are you for me, it's me? all CGI food. I'm like, mm, I know it's not no, real, but you're. It doesn't really, matter. Yeah. <laughs> if I watch if I watch too many Bob's Burgers in a row, I have to. I I'm like, oh man, I need a burger. Really, I don't think cartoons have ever made me hungry. Like, oh, don't I'm get really me wrong. Like a, Craig. a good cooking show, absolutely. You're like, God, that looks so good. No, could be could be anything. It could entice <laughs> me. Every time I saw a piece of cheese on that screen, I was like, God damn. Oh. Okay, that, that's true. They did <laughs> the CGI on the cheese has really gotten so much better since Toy Story. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Rebecca's at the point where it's like if you just showed her a clip art of a hamburger, she'd be like, "Yep, I'll do it." Yeah, I'm in. <laughs> you know what I mean? You just have to do it. Like I, I, I'm sure I could get hypnotized pretty easily. Like it's just if you show anything to me repeatedly, I'm like, "Oh yeah, that looks that looks good. I want that. Throw some cheese on it." I can't stop eating. Cheese is pretty great. Oh yeah. Oh dude, you don't know, you don't even know. You don't even know. <laughs> I probably don't because I eat bad cheese. <laughs> but uh, even bad cheese is good cheese. That's is... true. Cheese is like pizza, man. <laughs> pizza is a lot of cheese, too. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I do want to talk about, uh, <laughs> uh, before we get too far down this cheese rabbit hole. <laughs> uh, you tell her uh, in quarantine. <laughs> I do want to talk about Colette for a second. Um, mm. The uh, the chef who kind of 
Skinner puts in charge of basically bringing uh, Linguini up to speed, right? Yes. And she starts off very defensive against Linguini, being like, um, do you have any idea how hard I had to work? Do you see all these? How many women do you see in this kitchen? That's because it's this... Um, you know, it's a system built by old men for old men, and they they exclude me. So, which I is h- hilarious because she's the only woman in this movie. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> so it really just speaks to the whole movie. Point. They they had one other lady, and she bare she didn't even really have any lines. Oh, they the just old lady showed her. Oh yeah, the old lady. Oh, the old lady and the lady in the restaurant, but like none of them had really any lines. The old lady's bad shit. <laughs> oh, who? <laughs> who attacks rats with a shotgun? I mean, that is the least effective way to deal with that. Like, don't get me wrong. I think you could kill a rat with a shotgun. Yes. Uh, but not when your house is in the background. No, but there's something. I don't know why. When she's out, when she goes out and she's like shooting them when they're in the river with that gas mask on. Yeah. I don't know why I had this overwhelming sense of that could be me one day. <laughs> I don't know why. It sounds so dumb. But I was like, that's me though. That's me in 50 years. Like, Rebecca just like looking around her apartment being like, shotgun, check, yeah. gas mask. I've got a French cookbook. Oh no. <laughs> This is me now. (laughs) I really identified with this woman and for seemingly no reason. I cannot explain it to you. I can't. (laughs) Just shooting at rats in a river really, I don't know, it hit a chord with me. (laughs) It's one of those wake up moments where you're like, oh, that's where my life is heading. Yeah. Yeah, Like I was just like, oh, this is going to be it. This is is your ghost of Christmas future right there. (laughs) it's like continue on this path and that's that's what up uh are you okay with that though yeah i think i am (laughs) i think i have to be craig (laughs) god the way you said that just like you're like i don't know i don't know i think that's what i'm gonna be like are you okay with that you're like yeah (laughs) like you're just so resigned (laughs) and kind of happy to it Oh man! Kind of like, are you okay with dying in your bed at ninety eight? You're like, yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. It's like, are you okay with becoming a crazy woman who shoots rats in a river with a shotgun? Yeah, yeah. I gotta tell you, Craig. I've just—I don't know what it's gonna be, but I've accepted that I'm going to be. I think the nicest word would be eccentric when I'm older. <laughs> when you're older. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We might be working on it right now. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Who's to say, Greg? But yeah, no, that old lady. Fuck. Anyway, sorry, I derailed you from Colette. Oh, I just think it's... Well, I think in terms of uh, the way that they set up her character that way, it's like, look, I've worked so hard, and I'm the only woman in this kitchen, and I'm not going to let some punk-ass kid, for lack of a better term, uh, show up and um, take what I've worked so hard for. Um, and then that's exactly what he does. Yes, that's exactly what happens. Yeah, he's he's a no talent guy 
Uh, he's put in place from nepotism in charge of the restaurant. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, he the, the the one scene is, it, it, and this got me was Linguini's been at the restaurant all night. He's actually asleep, and Remy is like puppeting him while he's asleep. So yes. Colette comes in, and she's talking to him, and we know he's asleep, but she just thinks that he's ignoring her. Mm-hmm. Because he is now, because he had this private meeting with uh, with uh, Skinner, so she thinks he's now like, "Ooh, you're hot shit in the kitchen now." So she's like, "What did you talk about?" And he's just kind of like ignoring her. She gets mad at him and slaps him, uh, walks out of the restaurant, and then Linguini wakes up, falls out, and then kisses her. And it's just like the the series of events there is like he's ignoring. <laughs> Linguini ignored her advice because Mm -hmm. they changed the recipe, Um, which I guess Skinner did set them up for failure. I guess that's a thing that's maybe maybe a point against him. But he ignores her, his mentor, doesn't take her seriously, changes the recipe without discussing it with her, ignores her, gets slapped in the face, and then goes out and kisses her. Like, it just, it, it wasn't believable to me that she would be just chill with this all of a sudden. Oh, yeah. Although that is most dating, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Ignore me, ignore me, treat me bad. Let's make out. Oh, fuck. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Undermine my professional professional accomplishments. Uh, Yeah, I think that's just workplace dating, Craig. I think that's... (laughs) Par for the course. Oh God! <laughs> oh God! Don't ever date. I understand now why workplaces have uh, have things in place about don't date. Yeah, policies. Yeah, yeah. No, this is uh, yeah. This guy, I, I I don't think Linguini's the only thing. I believe the only reason why we uh, we allow Linguini to be the lead and to be supposedly like you know the one of the heroes and one of the main characters of this is because he's so awkward and flawed. Yeah. They allow for this. If I, if you change this guy's personality to confident, this movie takes such a hard turn. Yep. It makes him the villain immediately. Oh, just, it, a, just a small personality change, and it completely changes the tone of this movie. Absolutely, yeah, you're right. It's it'd it'd be disgusting, it, even if he even if he had a semblance of competitism in something. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. If he, I don't know, if if you changed him at all, I don't think this movie passes. Something that is put on um, Skinner to be like kind of like look look at how. Um, how high of a, uh, of a, um, what am I looking for? He he gets so angry all the time, right? He has a he's a temper. Yeah, and okay. he's yelling all the time, and that's like a, a kind of like a point of contention with these people is that it's like, okay, look at this, look at this guy, he's unreasonable, and it's like, I'm sorry, I think you just mean every chef I've ever met. <laughs> that's literally, Craig. I've worked in so many restaurants. That's every chef ever point okay and i'm not saying it's right i'm not saying right. it's right to yell at co-workers and stuff like that that shouldn't be the case but i really gotta tell you that is literally that is par for the course that is every single chef think about gordon ramsay man yeah how much gordon ramsay <laughs> he there's one episode of i think it's um 
Oh, what was the one? What was the? Because he's had the so Hell's many shows. Kitchen. Uh, there's, there's the um, Restaurant Rescue. I think he did. I think um, okay, Restaurant Rescue or whatever that one was, or like where he goes kitchen, in and saves a family. Kitchen business. Nightmares. I think okay. it is. Okay, yeah, yeah. So yeah, Kitchen Nightmares. There's one where he goes in, and he starts yelling at this. He gets in like an argument with a French chef, and he's screaming at him. He's like, you French fucking pig. And he's screaming this at him, right? And now that's just something we yell in my house all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because your partner's French. Yeah, he's from France, so we'll yell it at each other, like, for fun. It's so, (laughs) you French fucking pig. (laughs) And I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying all chefs yell, all of them. Yes. I used to work in a kitchen. I used to work in this uh, seafood restaurant. It was probably the nicest restaurant I worked at. Like, literally, people would get mad if when you poured their wine, you turned the bottle the wrong way after oh, you Jesus were pouring. God. Like, that kind of shit. Like, I I didn't last very long. <laughs> I didn't get fired, but I, uh, I, I left pretty promptly because yeah. I was like, these aren't my people. <laughs> Um, but that guy there, he would make delicious, like honestly, unreal food. Right. Uh, all seafood, you know what I mean? Oysters, octopus, all this stuff, just delicious food. And But he, he would, and the kitchen was open, right? Like it was right, right in service. So like oh, you yeah, can yeah, see yeah, the yeah, chef, yeah, 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 you can yeah, see yeah. everything. And he would literally pop the fuck off. He would scream. I, I saw him throw a shoe at least 15 times. I mean, that's he, just that was his thing. He would always throw a shoe <laughs> or he'd throw a pot or a pan into the sink or something. But he's loud, he just this massive man, loud as fuck, screaming all the time. Uh, again, I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying that if you're going, you can't fault a chef. You can't make that a personality fault of a chef because it's everybody. No, and and I think you need to also appreciate that uh, working in a kitchen, I have never done it myself professionally. Like, mm-hmm. But it, I understand it is a very stressful, high-demand profession, especially at that level, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, we would all just, like, kind of yell at each other, and then at the end of the night, we'd all have a beer. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like, it would all kind of, of be that. like, we leave it all in the service. It, you know what I mean? We'll get short with each other. Tempers are high because, you know, customers are yelling at me. I'm yelling at them. They're yelling at me. Like, Cause it's, it's just like a yell train. Yeah. I, I imagine the combination of high high demand, high stress, high precision, and speed I think you can leave your diplomacy at the door with that. You know what I mean? Like, we need you to do something really well, really quickly, and a lot of it. I think you can start yelling at people. Well, yeah, it's just like the honestly, <laughs> I don't know sure if like, I actually believe that because I think if someone yelled at me, I'd just go into the alley and cry. But <laughs> it depends. I, I can be like that, but honestly, it's. I can mentally shut it off. You know what I mean? Like, I can be like, okay, this isn't about me. As long as I can continue to remember, I'm like, this isn't about me. This is about the service or this is about something else or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, most of the time, I would try and make really good friends with the chef. Uh, so, like, after work, I am buying your beer. Right. So that way, you generally yell at me a lot less, if at all. And uh, and I get my food faster. Yeah, you're a, you're, you're a good guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're, 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 you're a buddy. I don't care if you yell at me. Buy me a beer after. Yeah, I'm yeah. a buddy. Yeah. Yes, I am, I am a buddy. <laughs> that is uh, my brand. Yeah, so anyway, I think Colette got done wrong. I don't think we can really blame Skinner for yelling. 
No, I don't think so either, but I do think it is a point of like, this guy doesn't deserve it because look at how much he's yelling. And I would just like to make a point that most of them do. Yeah, most of them do. Most of them do. This is part for the course. Uh, You can't get mad at comedians for being slightly sarcastic. Mm, (laughs) You know? Exactly. Oh my God. Do you know how many times somebody's yelled, Is everything a joke to you? Yes, welcome to this relationship. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) I am so sorry. I really wish it wasn't. God, the number. The number of times I've said things to Kat and been like immediately like, oh, no. And she like laughs at it. But I'm like, Mm -hmm. thank God you're you because so many other people uh, would like I'd be sleeping on the couch. You know what I mean? But she gets that I'm saying it as a joke. Uh, Mm -hmm, So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah. So I'm just you got to find. Yeah. Maybe if getting yelled at, uh, you know, if that's not for you, maybe not a job in the kitchen, you know? Absolutely. Um, I, I will point out though, like all criticism aside, I do really love the message of the movie. Like I've kind of gone through this to critique it, ignoring all the rat parts, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but obviously that's where the heart of the movie is. And just the message of like, anybody can do it. Like it doesn't matter where you're from. And this, I think, applies to kind of all art or all artistic endeavors, of which cooking is certainly one. But just like, it doesn't matter if you're allowed to do it. Just do it. Yeah. You know, I love that. And I also love, um, we can touch on ego for a bit, the, the critic at the end. I love him. Yeah? I love him. Yes. Okay, no, get into this more because okay. like, that is, <laughs> that's obviously more interesting than anything I was going to say. What, what What's up? <laughs> I well okay so we've got a guy that is supposed to be to supposed to present as evil right like his apartment's he's, very dark he has a portrait of himself over the he's <laughs> over the got fireplace the hunch, he's got the gaunt he's yes he's yes. he's illustrated as a villain 100% which by the way um if you want people to think you're a villain put a huge portrait of yourself over a fireplace <laughs> <laughs> you're done you're done everybody gets it we get the message right so here's why I'd like to make a couple of points, okay? Um, number one, this guy is absolutely willing to give a good review. His standards are high, but he is not discriminatory from person to person. Okay, it's not like he had it out for Gusto. Yep. He didn't have it out for him. He went, they hadn't changed the recipes in a while. He went, you know what, this isn't that great. I'm going to write a bad review. Okay? I don't think that's that bad. Okay, you're doing your job. He even acknowledges at the end that he realizes what his job is. You know what I mean? I, it is to critique things. It's not to create. It's not to put yourself out there, essentially. It's very easy. And honestly, as a comedian, I really, I was like, oh, I should listen to this every time I read a review for something yes, of myself. I loved his speech at the end. That's the point I was going to make where it's the um, it's the whole thing. Was, what do you say? It's like, being a critic is easy and it's like um it's like and you realize you know we thrive on negative reviews because they're fun to write and he's like but you realize that like um anything that we've deemed mediocre has more value than the review than anything we'll ever do right just like the mediocre effort is because somebody created something and that's brilliant. I loved that. I loved that line. I got goosebumps. I teared up a bit when he was describing that. It was great. Oh, yeah. There's a couple of times. When he 
I think he's such a great character and he's such a nice bow on this movie because we see him at the beginning and we see him at the end. He really is the wrapping paper of this movie. Yeah. Um, he's the catalyst for a lot of major events, which is um, them losing a star, them losing a second star because Gusto dies. As is tradition, I love that line. That's hilarious. Yeah. That's so funny because it's just like, oh, my God, you can tell this is like, <laughs> you know, almost like French getting written by Americans a little bit. You know what I mean? Like that yeah, tone yeah, yeah, of yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we don't mean to be rude, but uh, we're French. So sorry. Like, <laughs> <laughs> which is great. Um, yeah. Also, I think putting Gusto's death on ego is a bit of a shit move. Oh, like, that's, ri- that's hilarious. <laughs> That's absolutely ridiculous. Also, I don't think a three-star restaurant is anything to sneeze at. No, that's the thing is it's still good. It's just not cutting edge or whatever. And as you said, people are still going there. They still have a busy front of house. They still need to open. They're still bribing suppliers for the best stuff. And like, you know, you've worked in kitchens and things like that. But correct me if I'm wrong, but the margins, especially on high-end food, are extremely low. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right, mm-hmm. like you don't make a lot of money off of making a really good meal because even though it's expensive, everything you put into it is so expensive too. Well, yeah, it's uh, I think it's mo- it's a lot of labor to be honest. Like yeah. uh, the labor costs, especially of like something that's high end, is is huge because you're supposed to because these people are professionals. You have to pay them a professional wage. Yeah. Um, something that says, "Hey, you are supposed to be working at this level of restaurant, right? You have these, uh, you have these degrees or skills or courses or what have you under your belt." Or, and yeah, the the food's very expensive because you you see them bribing bribing the guy. You see they want the best cuts, they want the best fruit. If all that shit, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty expensive. And this guy has seemed to not run it into the ground somehow. Two years, great. Also, I would make the argument that a man that puts, oh, I don't know, a two-story high neon sign of his himself wouldn't mind being in a sombrero. <laughs> I'm just going to say, okay, I don't think that's that so big of a point. you've turned around on it a little bit. I have I turned see. around on it. You know what? I, I was Because I remember the sign, and I was like, you know what? That sign is so fucking gaudy. Because every time I watch this movie, that, that is the one thing that I find... I'm like, I don't think a really fancy restaurant would look like that. I could be wrong. <laughs> but, but I've never I, seen like a huge neon sign and been like, that is fine dining, my friends. <laughs> that thing that looks like Vegas, yes. Yeah, that's that's what draws in the real connoisseurs is the... <laughs> yeah, that screams freshness and quality if I've ever seen it. And hey, you get to eat in an old uh, dining car and... Your waiters yeah, wear just funny masks. About <laughs> neon lights now that put me off. You know what I mean? Like if I was dating somebody and I stepped into his apartment and he had a huge neon sign, like he's like fucking. Uh, oh, like, uh, like he's Scott off of the yeah, the- Michael Scott in the office. I'd be like, that D isn't worth it. I'd walk out. <laughs> I'd be like, mm, mm-mm. something's gone off. That D hasn't been clean in a while. Something's going on. <laughs> This is a personality fault. Your, I don't like this. Your idea of decorating is plugging something in. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I will give it an exception for beer sign behind a bar. I think that's very like, you know, like drink bud lit up behind a bar, not in your house. 
Well, yeah, but that's not. This is what I'm saying. Uh, if I show up to that bar, I know what I'm getting. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna order the tiramisu from that bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. And you're not ordering the D from that uh, that apartment. No. 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 Cancel the order. <laughs> <laughs> and no Cancel one. Cancel the order. No Return one, to Amazon. <laughs> no one looks good under fluorescent lights. Oh, God, no, no. no so I'm just saying, as a stylistic choice, yeah, I'm going to go back on that sign thing. I think because of the sign, I think he'd be fine with the uh, yeah w- with the mass produce and the mass marketing. Yeah, and don't don't get, don't forget, this is also a guy who had his co- a cooking show on TV. This was a yes. guy who wrote a book saying everybody can cook. I think mm-hmm. I think his whole ethos is get that out there, right? Yeah, get my image this out there, chilling. make that money. Uh, mm-hmm. fuck them bitches. Uh, <laughs> 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 I felt wrong for me saying it too, Rebecca. <laughs> <laughs> it's, so, it's, it's like it was like sticking to your tongue. It did. Like you could. It, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. I, I was going for a thing, and my mind was like, Craig, you could not pull this off. <laughs> Craig, I'm not saying you can't swear. I just don't know if you're good at it. <laughs> Just, okay, I I'm don't putting, know if that's a skill set you have. Uh, I'm like a linguini trying to swear. I'm just like, hey, <laughs> you guys, hey, uh, fuck them up. <laughs> oh, we're t- talk fast, motherfuckers over here. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll take you down. Oh D-bay. my god, I just um, want to start writing sketches where you're just in the background swearing. <laughs> Like that's your only role is just to chime in and swear every once in a while. I think if I really felt it, like that would hit harder. I've seen you felt it once. Yeah. And that was epic. Uh, (laughs) When the anger peaks into red, it's like, (laughs) there's a long, long fuse on this guy. But uh, there's been a couple times where it's really hit hard. And uh, I've heard it's terrifying. I've had... I've heard people say that it's, it's actually scary when I lose my temper. So I think that, I think the time that I've seen you really mean it, it wasn't terrifying. It was like a battle cry that we were all like, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But if I'm like, let's put it this way, like the fuck off kind of moment. Mm. If I Ooh. really meant that, it would be terrifying. Oh, my God, Craig, if you told me to fuck off in seriousness, I think that would, like, tear right through me. Like, I just, <laughs> That's like, what I, I mean, right? It would, it would literally, it would shake me to my very core. This, like, I would be like, oh, maybe I should fuck off. <laughs> Jesus. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, I hope the energy that I put out in the world is that Craig Fay is not a guy who would tell you to fuck off lightly. <laughs> oh, my God, no. <laughs> I would take that so seriously. I'm, like, you, I'm, you seem hurt now, just considering I'm chilled it. thinking about it. Like, I'm literally... <laughs> Like it's stressing me out. <laughs> I don't want to think about this anymore. I would anymore, never tell you to oh fuck off, Rebecca. We're, we're two good friends. Oh, uh, you're d- yes, no. You're more. You're like a person. Like if you told me you were disappointed in me, like oh. I wouldn't. I would have to take a nap. You know what I mean? Like I'd have to. I would just go lie down in a pile of depression. <laughs> like, I'm not mad, Rebecca. I just expected a little oh. more from you. It's like, oh my god, ladies and gentlemen, the podcast is going to have to take a two-week hiatus because Craig told <laughs> Rebecca he was disappointed in her, <laughs> destroyed her emotionally. Oh yeah, yeah. You hold that power, Craig. I don't. Oh. I don't know how to say it any other way. <laughs> Sweet. 
<laughs> See everybody, I am the uh, I'm the poster child of restraint. <laughs> <laughs> this is how you get respect being a restrained person. Uh, which means I could never work at a kitchen to bring it all back, I think. <laughs> oh, I don't think you could, Craig. No. I'd be No, I don't think that's a I'd feel no. too bad yelling at people. I'd feel bad if people yelled at me. It's not my yeah. uh yeah, not my forte for sure. Uh, oh god. If I could, I would just I'm going to I want to talk about some of the moral gray areas of Remy. Yeah. Because he is obviously the driving force of the story, the very nice tale of you can do anything, believe in yourself, like doesn't matter what your family of, says, doesn't matter yeah, where you're born, your what your background is, you can be anything mm-hmm. you want to be. Don't let Yeah, I, before we get into that, I will also point out the another great theme I liked about this movie is it really is about gatekeeping and criticism and how to yes. ignore that and do what you do. And it's a very complicated message and they do it so simply to the point where I didn't even realize that that's what this movie was about until I watched it this time. Mm. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, yeah. okay, this is good. But yeah, so, so <laughs> the moral gray areas. So moral gray areas. Okay, so you have... The timeline of this rat is that he, first of all, is upset that he has to be the poison checker for his family, Mm. which is, I don't know, he's the only one equipped to do it. You know what I mean? Like, that's like saying, like, say we were in a community, Greg, okay? Yeah. And you were the only one equipped to be the doctor. Yes. Okay. You're the only one. And you bounce out. You're like, you know what, this... I don't really feel like being a doctor, so I'm just going to dip, if you guys don't mind. Fend for yourselves. Mm, it is your right, but, oh, I don't know about that. You know what I mean? It's not, it, it is not the most uh, morally correct thing to do. It, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. He And it's not like he's got some Joe job, like your, your um, garbage rummager 138. Exactly. If you you have like some sort of low stakes, nothing job, then I totally get this. Okay. But But you literally keep your whole family alive. Yes. That's your job. The the entire colony. Yes. The entire colony. I'm just going to say because they're rats. The colony. Oh, they're probably probably all related. (laughs) Yeah. Good good point. Uh, Yeah. No, that's true. I, I, I actually wrote that down as well. It's like, yeah, he actually has a really important job. And his dad even goes so far as to say, it's like, oh, thank God you're back. Everyone else we tried out as a poison tester, it's not been pretty. Thankfully, nothing's been poisoned, but like, yes. he's like, nobody else can do that. So then, so so we have this character. He Now, to be fair, he gets separated from his family. He does. He starts his own but, life kind of thing. Yeah, but upon re- realizing that he could go see his family, he's very hesitant to and like, oh, I don't know if I want to go back, blah, 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 kind of thing, right? Sure. Um, he also has this weird concept of stealing and not stealing. Yeah. Um, it's like he, it's kind of like this this theme throughout the movie. And even uh, Linguini says it to him when he makes the omelet. He asks him where he got some of the herbs from. And he points and he goes like over at the garden. And he goes, that's not right, buddy. Don't steal. If that's me, I'd be like, fucking boss. Okay, good job, rat, for taking a couple of leaves from somebody else's patio. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, like I mean, I've definitely stolen a spoonful of sugar from a roommate before. 
oh yeah, like where's the line here? This guy's like literally stealing, stealing in quotes, crumbs, okay? And his whole moral objection towards the colony is that they all steal. Mm Mm-hmm. He's like, you guys all steal. And it's like, no, it's it truly, I truly believe it is not stealing if you're taking it from the garbage. No, but I think where it becomes uh, objectionable later is he lets them into the restaurant to pillage the, uh, the, 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 the food, the, the, the closet, the fridge. The, the fridge there. Yeah. Yeah. What's the, what's that word for that cold place where you keep food? <laughs> 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 right on the tip of my tongue. Uh, <laughs> fridge. The fridge, yes. Yeah. So, and to that point, when they do steal from the fridge, um, eventually it's only it's not because he wants to feed his friends, which would be something that I could agree with or mentally get on board for, but it's more so for revenge for an ego argument. Yeah, yeah. It's a revenge tactic. He's like, you know what? We've had an argument. You've pissed me off. I'm going to bring in all my buddies. But it's like, well, they were your buddies the whole time. You should have been feeding them something this whole time. How is your not, how how is the thing not, hey, friend, uh, new, new, new chef friend, anything we throw out at the end of the night, can I give to my friends? Yeah, because there there is waste in a kitchen, for sure. There's waste, and there would be quality waste. Yeah. Like, okay, there would be waste that rats would be like, this is dope. Okay, like, this is five-star waste. Fucking cut the top off a carrot, and that's mm. good rat eating. You know what I mean? Delicious, yes. You know, like, so why not You core an it? apple, that's a great, that's great yes. rat eating. Okay, at no point does he provide properly for, his fam- for the right reasons until yeah. the very end. Until the very, very end when he has his own restaurant, he gets everything he wants, and then he's like, okay, now I guess I'll give you guys what you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Well, that's, that's also kind of Remy's arc through this, and his sort of thing that he has to discover. It is actually sharing, um, sharing credit. Because, like, a lot of the things that we object to Linguini doing, we actually know is Remy, which is like he he's ignoring advice. He's ignoring guidance. He thinks he knows how to do it all and knows better than everybody else. Right. Which he's also a huge trans- ego problem. He, he does have a huge ego problem. Uh, and that also translates to his relationship with his family. Right. Where he goes like, but I want to go and do something else. It's like, well, mm-hmm. OK, we're all going to die from poison now because you can't check it. Like, is yeah, that... but I don't think he ever learns the lesson of his ego. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's a hard one to say. <laughs> I think he does. I don't think he truly does. I, I love this movie, and uh, and I'm only saying this to pick it the fuck apart. Right. <laughs> Please note that. I I think it's got a great message. I think it's a wonderful movie for Re- all ages. Real feel-good movie, yeah. It's good. Yes, but... I will say, I don't think he ever truly learned the lesson to get over his own ego. Yeah. Yeah, that's a tough one. I will say, though, that they (laughs) they do go to... I think the stealing thing, like you said, I think that's in there to help the audience overcome the negative connotations that they have of rats Mm. in their head, right? Where you go like... Uh, rats are pests. They get into things. They steal my grain. They uh, they spoil things. You know, they carry disease. They're dirty. Like all those sorts of mm-hmm. things. And if you have pet rats, I know that they're, you know, if they're not living in sewers, they're very clean and all the rest. But like, 
they like the number of times that they show them cleaning the rats before they start cooking in the kitchen later. Mm-hmm. The the mm-hmm. the the thing about him like I don't want to I walk on two feet because I don't want to handle food with the the same thing I'm w- walking through, right? Yes. And you go like, yeah, they're they really had to make you be like, oh, but this is a di- this is a different kind of rat. This is a clean <laughs> clean non-stealing rat you know yeah i just think if uh for me if the opening was less we're stealing garbage and more we're stealing this whole box of chef boyardee you know here you know what right, i mean right, right. here we're, we're carrying this hamburger helper up into the fucking <laughs> ceiling of this bitch you know then i would understand more of the the sense of stealing right because i do think there's a message that continually gets put in this in this movie, which again I've said I think two or three times now, but stealing from the trash is stealing. Yeah, it's not. And well, it's something that we talk about, or I think we see in our own society a lot, where it's like, especially in Toronto, like you see people that will go uh, and try and uh, go through people's garbages to take bottles out. Sure. And recycling and that sort of thing so that they can um, make a wage for themselves. I've seen people lose their freaking minds on these people. How dare you? Da-da-da. Oh. And I, uh, and I get it is your, your property until it is completely taken off of your property. And I can kind of understand it a bit as far as privacy goes and stuff like that. But as far as I'm concerned, as soon as I throw something out... That's that's for you, friend. Okay, I, if you need it, yeah. you would take it. I'm so sorry. I'm even sorry that you have to take it out of the garbage. If I had known you wanted it, I would have set it right on top. That's that's which what, is I, what do. I normally do. That's what I do. I, <laughs> I call it my passive charity. Like I'm like, this yes. isn't worth me taking back. But if well, and and I think the criticism there largely, like I'm sure people are assholes, but it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, don't go through and like tape my credit card statements back together. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, don't do that. But like going through it and creating a mess uh, to get what you want is inconveniencing somebody else. Like if, if there's like dirty diapers strewn all along your yard because someone dug through to get a bottle, that's a dick move. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, absolutely. Uh, but but the act of taking it isn't. No, absolutely not. And that's why I always keep it out because I'm like, one, that makes it easier for you. Uh, two, you don't have to make a mess digging through it and the bottles get recycled and we're all good to go. But. Yeah, I used to do that when I lived on a main road in Ottawa. I would just, we had a little porch that was right beside the pizzeria that we lived on top of. And I would just put all my bottles, because we were actually pretty close to the beer store too. So I would just put all my empties on my steps in the morning. And I literally, I not 10 minutes would go by and they would be gone yeah. every single time. Oh, 10 yeah. minutes, somebody would scoop them up and they're out and they're off. And I'm like, okay, that was great. I have zero effort. I don't feel necessarily good because I don't think I helped you at all. I don't think because you're <laughs> literally providing me a service. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just feel like I've signed up for a service. You provided me with that service and thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> Bottle returns work. <laughs> yes. Highly recommend. If you live in a populated area like that, sometimes, although you could get, uh, depending on when you put them out, you got to be a little worried because if you put them out at night, you shouldn't put them out at night because somebody will just smash them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and but it also depends on how strong of a bottle return policy you have. Like, Oh, true. In Ontario, it's amazing. Like they're getting like 10 cents per bottle and like they have something like a 95 or 90% return rate. Like it's, it's obscenely high. Like it's basically minus whatever 
accidentally gets thrown out or what what gets smashed. It's like mm-hmm. a, a bottles get reused almost all the time. But like I've heard other jurisdictions, they don't have that. And it's just like, yeah, it just gets thrown out. Glass gets shattered everywhere. It's, yeah. So, I mean, if you have a bottle return policy, yeah, help them. Help, <laughs> Do it up. Help them out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I always love the weird tangent. We got on a tangent about bottle returns. On this. Oh, God. <laughs> Greg, I've been, <laughs> been isolated for so long. I have so many things to say. <laughs> I even told I even told Craig like right before we uh, started, I had to drop off a microphone to um, to Jocelyn who does hate it, but I love it because we were all doing like remote recordings, and her boyfriend came out to pick up the microphone, and I was so socially awkward. Apparently, as soon as I got in the car, my partner was like, "It's very clear you haven't spoken to anyone in a while." <laughs> Because I'm just like, I don't know how to socialize right now. I even told you before we started, I was like, this might be weird. I don't know. I haven't really, (laughs) I haven't been on stage. I don't know what's happening. (laughs) I don't know how to speak. Well, I I mentioned this story to you, but I'll tell it to everybody listening too. This, uh, you know, I was like, we can, we can, we can talk for a bit on this chat before we start recording to kind of warm you up. But I was just like, just so you know where I'm at, uh, I, I toasted. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I toasted a piece of bread for a sandwich and like, you know how you like grab it, just throw it in and then it like popped up and it was like, I realized it was moldy. Like it had just been sitting out too long. And I just turned to Kat and I was like, this defeat has hit me harder than it should have. And then after I said that, I just started laughing to myself. I started laughing out loud, just into the apartment like a maniac. <laughs> Oh my god! You know what? That moldy toast had somehow put me over the edge. I've I've felt that so many times in my life, where you're just at the end of your rope, and you're like, "This is this is the thing. This shouldn't be the thing, but this is the thing." (laughs) You lost a lot of income this month. (laughs) Oh no, moldy bread! Ah, I gotta take a lap for that. Oh Oh my god, we've been doing this thing in my house where. my partner and I just will, and this is so lame, but I love it so much. I don't care. We just keep looking at each other and going, hey, uh, do you have a minute? <laughs> <laughs> do you have a second for something right now? And then we both just laugh our asses off <laughs> like uh, dicks. All we got is time, baby. All yes. We got is time. It feels a little bit like um, that uh, the Outer Limits or that Twilight Zone episode where the guy's like, finally, I get all the time to spend with my books. <laughs> and then the glasses fall. He's like, no, yeah. no, I forget which show that was, but it's, uh, 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 my life has that kind of energy right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> I have not been productive. Oh, no. Yeah, be, be productive, don't be productive. Whatever, whatever strikes stay you. Stay sane. Yeah, stay that's sane. A, that's it. The... <laughs> it's the most important part. Yeah. Just stay sane out there. Whatever that means for you, whether it's like me playing 20 hours of video games a day <laughs> or, you know, like my partner where he vacuums every day. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> whatever, whatever you need to stay, <laughs> to stay well. <laughs> <laughs> oh god uh anything else you wanted to say no about i think i think we've covered it okay I'm... so i think it's time that we get to our uh uh to, to halt our slow descent into madness we're gonna give you our definitive rankings of how good the villain was uh what do you got? yeah i've got a i've got a french scale this oh, okay. nice, nice, nice. so things i have seen or experienced um i've got uh from rolling your own cigarettes 
um, to eating a block of cheese like it's an apple, <laughs> which I did see somebody do in France. <laughs> it was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. I'm going to give um, our chef Skinner uh, the double kiss. Okay. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. Um, unenjoyable to some. <laughs> <laughs> But if you're used to it, if that's what you're used to. If that's what you're used to, uh, business as usual, business good. As usual. He's not going to shut it down, you know what I mean? I love it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I also did Skinner. Um, I did the uh, gourmet cooking scale. Oh, Okay, good. so on a scale from craft dinner to craft dinner <laughs> with hot dogs cut up in it, <laughs> I'm going to give Skinner a solid uh, craft dinner with some frozen peas thrown in there. You know oh, what I mean? Because there's the a frozen peas, a classic. Yeah, there's vitamins and stuff in there. That's a vegetable, you know. Uh, so mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not the best at what it does, uh, but it's got everything you need to get you through, and it's going to sustain you. It's going to keep it going yeah. for a while. So I don't think he's all that bad. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, before we get to our heroes and villains of the week, uh, a couple ways you can support the podcast. Uh, first of all. Um, if you want to check us out on Twitter, uh, VWR podcast, uh, on Twitter, uh, we're pretty active, uh, there nowadays. We've been trying to do some fun stuff with you guys. So hopefully, uh, you kind of appreciate it. Um, feel free to send us a message. You can also hit us up on Facebook. Uh, apparently that still works as a thing. Uh, was right. <laughs> it's so confusing. It's like it somebody is. has notified you and then you click on it. It just takes you to anyway. Uh, uh, villain was right on uh, Facebook. Um, and, uh, you can, uh, if you have suggestions for, uh, things you'd like to hear, uh, movies you'd like to hear us do, uh, hit us up at villain was right at gmail.com. Uh, we'd love to hear from you as well. Yeah. Especially, oh, also if you have a television request, if you can think of any TV that you would like us to cover, we have a lot more time right now. Yeah, so, so we may be looking at tackling that a little bit. So we're Yeah, open to we've, got, we've sure. got a couple of special episodes coming up, so look out for those. But if you do have any television suggestions, please hit us up uh, on any of those uh, any of those social medias. You can also uh, please get on our Patreon if you would like extra content. We release uh, two bonus episodes um, of uh, just villains we like or things we want to talk about. Sometimes we just do suggestions. If you just want us to talk about something, we're going to hop on, do that. Um, If you like the podcast and you just want to throw us a dollar a month, like that is super chill and we love you so much for it. Thank you so much for doing that. Yeah. And if you're already a Patreon, you're bitching. You know, you're the best, you're the tops, you're the tits. You're you're bitching, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it felt wrong as I said it. Oh, oh god oh god yeah <laughs> so now it's time for our heroes and uh yes. villains of the week uh oh patreon.com slash the villain was right um here's the villains of the week where we discuss uh people who've inspired or disappointed us in our personal lives uh Re- rebecca what do you got so i just honestly i don't even know hero villain i've got things on both sides I just wanted to talk about uh, France as a, as a population, as, as a place to go visit, as yeah. something to go see. I've been to France a few times, and uh, obviously this movie is within that theme. And I'm just going to touch on a few things that I think are villainous and some things that I absolutely love that I think everybody should adopt. Um, number one, villainous, um, the double kiss. Let it die for the love of God. <laughs> oh, my Christ, I hate that so much. Okay, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Um, I think right now is a great example of why we should not have this. <laughs> this should not exist as a concept to kiss other people on their faces upon arrival. Honestly, the first time I went to France, I think I kissed more people in one day than I ever kissed in my entire life. 
Just wrap your head around that, Craig. Wrap your head around that shit. Okay? That's insane. Um, something I like. Um, they have entire aisles of yogurt. Do you know oh, this? Yeah, that makes sense. They have entire aisles of yogurt. What a dream. Oh, my God. The dairy situation is out of control over there. That's hero shit. That's hero status. Love it so much. Um, I'm going to go back to a villain thing. <laughs> um I saw at least, I got to say, half a dozen to a dozen children smoking. (laughs) And it was like business as usual. (laughs) Like I walked down the street, I saw a 12-year-old just having a cigarette casually, and I was like, this is not real. Sometimes stereotypes exist for a reason. (laughs) Holy smokes. This shit is crazy. Um, Hero sign. Wine unbelievable cheap super crisp delicious those bitches know how to do some wine i'll tell you that for free holy hell i'm gonna <laughs> end on wine that <laughs> the french yeah, know how to take. do wine uh, they do yep. they do um i'm gonna end on uh just a short little story about something that old <laughs> something else that i do not enjoy <laughs> just personally okay just, again all of these things are very personal this is not uh i'm not trying to attack anybody um i will say um yo europe why does all your medication have to go up your butt? Let me ask you. Because <laughs> this is a real thing, okay? A lot of medication in Europe is, boom, suppository, right up. And I got to tell you, if you're in Europe listening to this right now, and you're like, yes, of course, I got to tell you, not the same over here, okay? Um, they, <laughs> everything is oral here. Mo- I would say 99% of medications are oral, and then you have, like, this one small 1%, like, if something happens. So I'm going to tell you a short little story about the first time I ever took a suppository. Uh, okay. <laughs> so I'm in France, okay? And um, my body is not used to the food. This is the first time I'm there. I'm with my partner. I'm like, uh, I'm not driving well. I do not poop <laughs> for the first five days. I'm sorry. This is a crude story, but what can we do? <laughs> okay. I cannot go to the bathroom for five days, guys. I'm not exaggerating this number. By day five, I'm not feeling well. Okay. I'm not feeling good. <laughs> feeling real bad, quite frankly. Um so we've tried all these extra things, all the, like I'm drinking coffee, like it's my freaking day job. I don't smoke and I'm having a couple of cigarettes because like I am just trying <laughs> to get something to go. Um, so then they're like, okay, well, we're going to have to give you, we're going to have to give you some medication. We're going to have to give you a laxative. And they said laxative. And I was like, I know what a laxative is. That's perfect. That's what I need. Um, yeah. All their laxatives are suppositories. Okay. All? I, I, I gotta say most. Okay, I have to assume. <laughs> Otherwise, I am the victim of a terrible, terrible crime. Okay, <laughs> I should have been given other options. All right. So, they give me they give me this little thing, and they're like, okay, just go upstairs. And the thing is, because you're putting, and I will agree with this, they're like, because you're putting it directly at the source, it it activates a lot faster. Like it is. This does make sense. I get the okay. logic. Yeah. I, I I do get the logic. Okay. But this is the first time I'm doing this, right? So I go upstairs, and I'm like, okay, nobody nobody come up. Okay, I'm going to do this. And they're like, it should activate in like 10, 15 minutes tops. Okay, and then you can do your thing. And I was like, okay, nobody come upstairs, right? So I go into the bathroom, and I do it. And honestly, not not terrible. I thought I, it just, I felt silly. If, if I was to give you an emotion, I felt silly. You know what I mean? So boom, pop, pop her up there. And uh, and I lay down, and I'm waiting for this thing to be activated, right? I'm laying there, and I'm laying there, and, uh, you know, 10 minutes goes by, and nothing happens. And then that's when my partner runs up, and he's like, oh, my God, uh, did you do it? And I was like, uh, yes. 
yeah, <laughs> yeah, of course, just waiting for it to go. And he goes, oh, um, so sorry, gave you the wrong one. <laughs> so <laughs> apparently he'd give me some sort of like expired hemorrhoid, whatever. He's like, it's not a problem. It's not going to do anything for you. But it's, uh, you're going to have to do a second one right now. So not only did I have to put in my first suppository, but my second one, back to fucking back, okay, <laughs> within 15 minutes of each other. But I got to tell you, Craig, worked real well. <laughs> wow, that was, uh, they got to step in on that one. I'll That's tell you good. that for free. Go to the source. Um, go to the source. So there you go. Um, I would say hero, villain, who knows. Um, first time I put something on my butt like that. <laughs> <laughs> real, real roller coaster ride of heroes and villains. There, um, I think for uh, for me. So obviously, um, I, I do want to just quickly acknowledge that there are actually a whole bunch of real heroes out there right now. Um, obviously, all our healthcare workers, people handing out suppositories, you know, that sort of thing. Um, oh, yeah. Guys, um, you guys are the grocery store workers, the nurses. Yeah, the, everybody else. Oh, is- shout out to my nurse friend, Perry. You, you're doing the Lord's work out there, girl. Keep it going. Exactly. So, like, thank you to everyone who's kind of uh, keeping society running as it is. Uh, and uh, But um, on a more silly note, uh, I've got a villain this week. Uh, which was, uh, I, w- I was planning to do this story for our live recording, which unfortunately never happened. Um, my villain is corn. <laughs> <laughs> I pulled that all the More precisely, yeah. uh, corn detasseling, which unless you are from my particular neck of the woods of southwestern Ontario, uh, you have no idea what this is. So no, I literally, I, I'm a hillbilly and I have no idea what you've just said. Exactly. It's like, this is what, so ba- down in Chatham, Ontario, we grow seed corn. So not corn that you eat, but the, the corn that the farmers plant so mm. that you can grow corn. But because of okay. that, they want the strains to be very precise, right? Like if you plant uh, peaches and cream corn one, two, three, or whatever it is, you want to be able to grow that. Um, so what you have to do is you have to make sure that the, when you plant this corn, it doesn't cross pollinate with any of the neighboring fields, right? Cause then it just does it asexually, I think, and whatever. So the, oh, that makes sense. the way that you do that is you hire, uh, literally hundreds, if not thousands of high school students to go and walk through fields and you pick the tassel off of the plant at a certain point in their maturity, right? And it's just like, is you can do it with two fingers. You just reach in to the top of the plant and you just pull it out and it makes a little squeaking noise. And that's how you know you got it. And you just throw it on the ground and you just walk through the field. So where I'm from, that is like everybody's first summer job, right? Like, like school buses of kids being driven out to the fields to walk through it and detassel these, these, this corn. And maybe if you aren't, from an agricultural community or an agricultural community that doesn't grow corn, you might mm-hmm. not know corn cuts you. Uh, it has the sharpest leaves imaginable. Uh, so I got a job doing this and I'm like, it's middle, it's like August, right? Okay, can I interject with one question? Yeah. What kind of cut are we, t- are we talking we ta- like paper cut? We're talking like paper cut. Oh, the worst. 
first. Yeah. So oh, I show okay, up sorry, to like the first day doing this. I'm like, I'm going to be outside in the middle of August. What do you think the appropriate dress attire is? Uh, short sleeves shirt. So the first mm-hmm, day mm-hmm. I'm walking through this uh, cornfield and I'm like, this is pretty easy, just hand over hand. And I get home at the end of the day and my forearms <gasps> are so cut up. Like, no. like just a thousand uh, paper cuts all up and down, like from my wrist right to like my elbow. And uh, uh, I didn't realize this at the time. I am apparently very allergic to dust and pollen, uh, which uh, if you've ever been in a cornfield, you know that is it's pretty much dust and pollen. So my arms swelled up to the point where I couldn't even bend my elbows. <laughs> I just sat there the next day. I had to take the day off and like coated my arms in like calamine lotion and played N64 with my uh, friend Lindsay. Uh, But I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to quit. I'm going to learn from this. I'm going to go back. So a couple days go by. I'm back on the crew and I'm like, got this solved. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to wear long sleeve flannel shirt, Mm. uh, which is like great. So I'm walking through the field. It's not cutting me, whatever. But then the sun comes up. And it starts to get to about, you know, 95% humidity. And it's like 38 degrees outside. That's why we grow the seed corn, because it's so fucking hot where I'm from. So I'm walking through this field, which turns out to be the longest fucking cornfield I have ever seen in my entire life. Like, takes us a good hour or two to walk all the way across it, right? Wow. So I'm going through this, and at first I start off, totally drenched because you go into the field before the sun's up. So all the dew just like condenses on you and you're like sopping wet. And then it gets a little warmer and you're like, now though that's evaporating away. And then you get to a point where you're like, Oh, I'm starting to get real toasty, but I don't want to take my shirt off because like, I'm going to get all cut to shit. And as I keep going, I start realizing like, Oh my God, it's getting so hard to pull these tassels out. Like, normally you can do it with, like, Mm -hmm. two fingers, right? And as I'm going Mm -hmm. on, I'm having to use both arms to pull these things out. And I'm just stumbling through this. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I don't think this is good. I don't think I've drank enough water today. And I didn't have my water with me because normally you leave it at, like, the end of the aisle or the the row. Well, because you don't want to carry it. Right, exactly. So you'd leave it at the end of the the row and, like, you'd go down and back and you'd grab a drink and then move it to the next one, go down and back or whatever. And I'm like, I'm actually seriously concerned here. So I'm, like, delirious. I'm, like, stumbling up this thing, pulling it out. Finally, I get to the end of uh, this row of corn. I, like, literally burst out into sunlight. I, like put my head between my knees. I'm just like braced on the knee. And the crew leader uh, is like standing on top of this school bus parked at the side of the road with his mega horn. And he just yells at me, get back in the field. (laughs) Oh my God. And I'm just like, I look up at him and I'm like, I think, I think I've got heat stroke. And he just like drops his like horn for a bit. He looks at me, he goes, Get a drink of water, then get back in the field. <laughs> so then I, I fucking chugged so much water and like just went into a, a row with somebody else and like finished up the day. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe this isn't for me. 
<laughs> and I went to go get a job at Blockbuster, and that's why I have a ah. podcast talking about movies now. <laughs> <laughs> and the saga begins. So Corn Detasselate is my big, uh, big Jesus. villain of the, uh, of the week. The boss know. should be your villain. Well, yeah, that, <laughs> the boss, what a dick. the whole... Yeah. The whole idea of uh, the whole idea of it, yeah. But yeah, that's my uh, that's my villain for the week. Uh, so uh, I think that pretty much does it for us, Rebecca. Uh, where can people reach you? Yeah, you can reach me at Rebecca Reeds. That's R E B E C C A R E E D S at any social media of your choosing. I also have a website, RebeccaReeds.com, where you can check out uh, videos, uh, links to other things that are fun. Um, yeah, so hit me up there. Yeah, and you can reach me at uh, Craig Fay Comedy on Facebook, Twitter, CraigFay.com for show dates eventually. And uh, <laughs> until, uh, oh, well, uh, we have an absolutely amazing, it's uh, audience choice next week, guys. Uh, so you guys voted. Uh, so next week, uh, tune in, and we are going to be covering Mr. and Mrs. Smith with uh, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. So we're going to be tackling that. And until then, uh, this has been The Villain Was Right, reminding you to call the exterminator right away. <laughs> <laughs>